Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Great. Laura Lieberman is in studio. Brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio. One of the most controversial judicial jury decisions that we've had in a long, long time around here. I'm trying to think of another one that was as controversial. I'm sure there is. None are coming to mind off the top of my head, but says something about just how hot this one was as far as the differences of opinions. Uh, You're familiar with the story, I have no doubt, by now. It is the case of Peter Cahill, who shot Jonathan Stiers at his home. Jonathan Stiers was, it seems, rooting through his truck or stealing his truck or whatever in the dark, and Peter Cahill came outside with a gun, ostensibly according to testimony, to protect his property, to protect his family, believed that Jonathan Stiers raised his hands in the very dark, but believed he raised his hands as if he had a gun, and Peter Cahill shot him. It went to jury. The jury ruled that it was self-defense, no conviction. He was acquitted. This created a very divisive split in the community, with some saying, you know what? He was defending himself, and if the guy, if Jonathan Styers hadn't been stealing his property, he'd be alive today. There'd be no issue. And if he hadn't acted threatening, there would be no issue. The others saying, "No, this is he was way over the top. It was way too much force. No need for this at all." So the Crown today announced that they will, in fact, be appealing. They've cited five, I believe, five uh, issues problems that they perceive with the way the case was handled with judicial decisions or whatever else. And so we're now going to wait and see if an appeal is granted. Uh, Lauren, are you, first of all, are you happy that they're doing this? Um, I su- well, I'm not happy you think with, it's- I'm not happy with an appeal unless it changes the result. What if it's an appeal and the appeals court says, you know, we've looked at this and uh, there's nothing wrong with the way the yeah, justice then, handled it? Then I'm then I'm not happy. Um, I I do not uh, uh, side with uh, the ruling on this whatsoever. You're firmly in the camp that it was excessive. Absolutely, absolutely. That is, uh, and, and you know what, we've talked about that, and maybe we'll get to that in a moment because I mean that's a um, look. That, that's certainly everyone is going to have their opinion. Everyone does have their opinion. I don't know anyone who doesn't have an opinion on this one way or the other. But I want to ask you this about this kind of thing because whether you agree or not, depending which side you're on, uh, the judicial system did its thing. He went through. Uh, Peter Cahill went through the trial. He. After the shooting, we don't know, uh, the court said he did nothing wrong in the shooting, right? But after that, as far as following the proceedings, he hired a lawyer, he did all this, he did everything right according to the rule of law of how the procedure is supposed to go. So the Crown now says, we don't like the ruling. Here's my question. Should an accused who has a Crown appeal this, so he has to go through a second trial, should an accused have to pay his defense fees if he gets off again, or should that be something that is held by the state? And the reason I say that, because it's going to cost him a fortune to hire another lawyer if it goes to another trial and do this all over again, and he's already been acquitted. Should this be something that if he's acquitted again, if it goes through another case and the state, again, a jury, the judge, again says you did nothing wrong, should a person who has to go through that, should they have their costs picked up by the province? So, Not it, the first time. The first right, time, anyone can right. have a trial the first time. And it wouldn't uh, be likely that you would have uh, your defense lawyer, in this case, Jeff Manishin, um, arguing against the appeal. You'd get someone who specializes in appeals. Yes. It's going to cost him. It's going to cost him. And that's the issue. If you've, he's already been found not guilty... And now he's going to have to do it again. And I'm looking at this saying, look, if, if, he, get, if he goes through this, the, the system again and he is found guilty, then clearly there was an error in the handling of the law. And so there you go. But if he goes through the system again and they find him not guilty a second time, any person going through two murder trials is financially going to be wiped out. He may be wiped out already. Um, I don't know about that. Often very high profile um, high cost lawyers do not charge their full ticket to do something um, that is in the news. So true enough, but we don't, it, we don't know what we don't uh, know what exactly. Jeff's, uh, legal we, bill we don't know here. exactly. Yeah, we don't know exactly. But it seems to me again that if there are all kinds of reasons why the Crown will appeal, 
there are reasons that the mm-hmm. Crown truly believe, and I don't know which one it is in this case. There's those where they truly believe there's been a miscarriage of justice, mm-hmm. and there are those where there are political or social ramifications, and there clearly are some of those here. Whether that overrides the first, I don't know. So you may have a Crown Attorney's Office under pressure to do this by political people, which means that, again, the person who was acquitted is now a, could be, in some cases, a pawn in a political play, but he's going, or he or she is going to have to pay another defense. Uh, Scott, I get your point, but uh, I kind of got the hint before we went on air that we are going to talk about this. This angle is freaking me out. Um, This is such a major case, and it never would have occurred to me about a financial hardship um, on appeals to the guy who pulled the trigger. Only, only, only if he would be acquitted the second time. I have no, I wouldn't even mention this. If, the, if, if you were to go through a second time and they were to find that there had been a fault in the law, if in fact the judge had made errors or someone had made errors and he should have been convicted the first time, I don't see any right, reason no. why you should be helped. I get your point. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Taking a, a bit of a different look, the t- Crown today announced that it was going to be appealing the Peter Cahill acquittal. He was the man who shot and killed uh, Jonathan Sires, an Indigenous man who was, I don't know, is there any dispute that he was either stealing from his truck or stealing his truck? He was attempting to steal, attempting to steal something in the middle of the night, pitch black, and... It went bad, very bad, and Jonathan Styers ended up with um, ended up dead, having been shot. And w- w- as I say, everyone is going to have their view on whether or not he was innocent or not, whether it was a just verdict or not. And I don't think that anything Lauren and I debate sitting here right now is going to change anyone's view on that. But I did find I, I do think today, and, some, and the, I don't know how it came to mind today, but. If he were to go to trial again, if they appeal and they find that there will be a new trial and he is acquitted again so that twice now he has gone through the system and found to be not guilty, should he have his costs for the second one covered by the state? Because don't forget, in the United States, the Crown or the prosecutor can't appeal a not guilty. Once it's not guilty, I mean, O.J. Simpson would have been on trial 17 times if, if you could. And I'm not talking, and I want, we were saying during the break as well, I'm not talking about a hung jury where mm-hmm. the jury gets stuck and we don't really, there's no end game. That, that's, a, that's a different story altogether. And it's not just this one. I, I mean, I think of this often because there are people who do end up in our system who are actually innocent. Him or others, I don't know, but there are people who are innocent. And Guy Paul Moran is another perfect example. Now, he ended up getting a lawsuit he won a lawsuit ultimately that paid him some back. But I just, I, you know, I thought about this because you, not you, not Lauren Lieberman, you, but the greater you, yes. you have to hire a top flight lawyer to fight for your freedom. It's going to cost you bucks. Sure. And that lawyer doesn't come with any guarantees. Nope. Justice is expensive. We perceive that to be an American concept. But let's suggest for too. a second that Peter Cahill uh, didn't manage or couldn't afford or for whatever reason didn't get Ma- Jeff Manishin and got a lesser lawyer, um, perhaps he's uh, not free today. Exactly. So I think the same thing can be applied to if you want to remain free, you got to keep paying. I just throw that out there. And people, yeah. I'd love to hear from people what they think about that. Radley at 900CHML.com. If you have been acquitted, so the law has determined you are innocent, or not guilty anyway, pardon me. It shouldn't be innocent. We, we never really know. It's not innocent. If you're determined to be not guilty in the state, the province decides to do it all over again, and they fail a second time, should they cover the cost? Now, there's a second part to this story that I just learned. This happened a few days ago, and I somehow missed this, Lauren. And this also is a really interesting part of this story to me, that back, I think it was on the 10th of July, that Six Nations Band Council unanimously voted to ban yes. Peter Cahill from Six Nations land. He cannot set foot on... Is that even allowed? I mean, it's I... sovereign land. Yeah. Of course it is. Yeah, but could could you do it with anybody? In, could, could a city council, could Hamilton City Council say so-and-so is not allowed within no, the... No, because Hamilton is not sovereign. Well, I... I suppose Canada can and does. Well, we, ha- we allegedly have... <laughs> well, not control. this government, but 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 previous some government. Sure. I yeah. I I I looked at this today. I understand about the you know the, the reserves and the the, in, the land, native land and indigenous land and the. 
But I don't know if that would be enforceable. I don't know if that would... I mean, what would you do? If he stepped foot on the land, uh, I suppose Six Nations police would come and try to arrest him. And sure. He'd have to be a pretty foolish guy to well, step foot on. I, I would agree with that. I, based on everything I've heard about the sentiments towards mm-hmm. him, there's probably not a lot of upside to him mm-hmm. going there or any reason for yeah, him to no go there. No cheap gas for you, Mr. Well, Carino. but there's no reason for him to go there. I mean, let's be honest. But mm-hmm. it... I just didn't, I, I, it struck me that I don't know that that's, I've never heard that before with anybody. I, I don't know. I've never heard of a, of a, a band council doing this with other right, people. But the, the only time I've ever heard of this sort of before with band councils is I've heard of uh, non-Indigenous people not being allowed to live on. No, of course, never. But even if you're married sometimes, I've heard of where they'll marry in or they're living together to, with their common law and they say, you got to go. Yeah, depending on it the res tricky. and yeah. whether they're matrilineal or patrilineal, right. that's, that's altogether it different. It gets very tricky, but, but this, I, a full-on ban is a new one to me. I think um, uh, oftentimes people like you and me forget that that is not just an unfenced different part of the region. It is sovereign land. It is not Ontario. It is not Brant County or Haldeman Norfolk, specifically being Six Nations, um, that they have an arrangement with the province of Ontario and the government of Canada. But it is its own. It is its own land and its own nation, and should be respected as such. How far could you go with that? I mean, it, and again, I, only because I had never heard of this before. Could you build a wall? Well, no, not the wall. Build a wall. <laughs> but I mean, what could could you literally? I don't know the answer. Could you literally pass any bylaw, any law you want, that would be fully legal on that? I don't know. It, it just, as I say, it was so unique to me that you could actually do this. That but you they could, have laws that Ontario and Canada don't have. You can do things there that you cannot do. Understood. Off the understood. It's it's its own place. You can smoke in a restaurant on the Six Nations Reservation, and they don't have a time machine. It's not 1992 there. They, it's not Ontario. Different laws. Very interesting, because I heard that, and again, to, uh, had you ever heard of something like this before? Um, when I heard that, uh, and, and no, I had never heard anybody uh, being banned um, from the res before, but when I heard that, it, it made a lot of the scuttle I'm hearing um, on the res. Um, about how he was a familiar character seem more viable. Interesting interesting part of the story. Again, I'd love to hear from uh, from people. Radley at 900chml.com about either of those. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900chml. We now know that there will be at least four openings on Hamilton City Council. We talked about this earlier mm-hmm. this week, but I want to get your thoughts on this. There's going to be at least four openings, four incumbents have decided not to run on Hamilton City Council. Is that a good thing? Is that a good thing? We, we've had, we've had heard both sides of it. One that you get new blood and one that you lose a lot of experience and a lot of people who know what they're doing around City, city Hall. Um, it was four last time. It's, it's four again this time. The difference this time is uh, three of the four were rookies. They so, were the ones who were the new ones last yeah. time. Yeah. So a lot of people complain that there's uh, lifelong politicians around the council chamber. Um, that's not going to change. That's not going to change at all. So I think what's interesting is three rookie councillors chose to move on from that. And it may not be the job uh, uh, we all think it might be. Well, I think a lot of people would look at this and say, it's what, 90 grand you get paid? I mean, it's it's not a bad living. It's not an easy living. I'm not suggesting for a second that it's easy. You got to have some Just ton of work, a ton it, of hours. It's a lot of work, a lot and of and a hours, lot of abuse, a lot of abuse, and you got to have thick skin. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the hide of a rhino, uh, you, you will, I think, mentally have a hard time with this one, especially early on, or especially if you are a counselor that rocks the boat even a little bit. Sure. I mean, Donna Skelly, love her or hate her, boat rocker. Uh, she came in and rocked the boat a little but bit. Pretty thick skin on uh, Miss Skelly. But yes, I, I was going to say that if Donna Skelly did not have thick skin, that would have destroyed her. And and the interesting part about that is, Lauren, that I think do we not want people, especially newcomers, do we not want people who will come in with new ideas and not just get carried along by the current? Very much, of course, of course, but. Uh, the fear is, is that uh, it takes a counselor six months to a year just to figure out how everything operates. 
Um, oftentimes, a veteran counselor will bring you under their wing. And the four that are no longer running um, are very unique. And so Counselor Pasuda, one of my all-time favorites, uh, is run is not running again because they've eliminated his ward. Uh, and health, I, and he had he's had a rough go with health, very sure. much so yeah. too. Sure, but um, a gentleman farmer who'd been around a while, uh, very different than the the others. Very different perspective in life from the others. Absolutely, um, Aiden Johnson coming into it with his unique perspective, uh, Matthew Green with his, and Donna Skelly with his. I think. I think it's very interesting that we're only losing one of the usual suspects, mm-hmm. and th- and that's the difference. We're losing, and, and it's also interesting who we are losing as well, because uh, Robert Pasuda, very quiet man, mm-hmm. and same with Aiden Johnson. Donna Skelly and Matt Green, not quiet. And on polar opposites. Polar opposites. Yes. Uh, more than a few times gave each other glares of death that were... Mm-hmm world-class and not just glares. Um, I, I'm, I, I want people who will come in and will not just go along with the way council goes. And that's, I think, what ideal we want. And yet at the same time, when someone does come in, you say either a counselor takes them under their wing or, you know, that 90,000 isn't bad if I can just not get myself hated too much here. Right. I can make a good living on so this. Those and some people have. Scott, those rookie counselors would be, uh, I, I, I would guess, of the last council, the three least popular councils amongst council members amongst their colleagues. You think so? Pasuda aside, I'm not talking about Pasuda, but um, Aiden Johnson being a bit of a lone wolf and, and, and his own kind of guy, and Matt Green and Donna Skelly being at opposite ends of the political spectrum who could not get along with council as a whole and who could not be uh, co-opted. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Four seats are going to be at least four seats as far as we know because Jason Farr apparently has now yes. registered yes. just in the last day or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chad Collins and Terry Whitehead have not yet, but I don't think anyone expects that they will not. Well, the question is where is where? Terry going to run? Uh, eight or 14 because the wards have been split and he, both of those fall into his old ward. But here's what I am truly hoping for, Lauren, and maybe I'm bonkers on this one. Maybe I'm way out there. I hope for two of those four to be won by Donna Skelly clones and two of those four to be won by Matt Green clones in the sense that I want people who have, I don't want four people who are exactly the same, who just follow along with the current, who go along with everything to come in and take those seats. And when I say clones, I would like them to be on opposite ends of the political spectrum. I want want variety on council, and I want people willing to speak their minds and willing to accept the slings and arrows that come with that. I don't want four demure, non-boat rockers to win those seats. Fair. Um, It is extremely likely that a progressive, a left-leaning person will represent one in three. Yep. Um, But in terms of, you're talking more about personality than political bent. Both. Personality. But I also don't want to have the entire council be right-wing, and I wouldn't want the entire council to be left-wing. You need to... Look, Donna Skelly, there are those who love her and there are those who hate her. I give her all kinds of credit, though, for being really the one who was willing to go against the grain because it Mm -hmm. is a council that is heavier on the left side than on the right side of the political spectrum. Absolutely. You need someone who is willing to call them on that and offer a different point of view and be willing to offer that point of view, even when it means you're going to get yelled at by some of the social media louder folks in this city. Donna found the solution to that. She's not on social media. Well. It it doesn't hurt. Sticks and stones. Yes actually do hurt, but names won't hurt you if you don't hear it. That, sorry, I didn't know what you meant, but yes, you're correct. She basically ignored didn't engage. that stuff. Yeah, exactly. But there were lots of people who were screaming at her, even if she was, and they may have, those sounds may have been bouncing around, wow. but, but they were bouncing around in the echo chambers of those who want to hear them. Yes. And as I say, I hope though, I really hope that the four people, and I'm not even talking about who's going to win the mayoralty race, because that's probably going to be a debate on the LRT that may win that, but I just hope the four are not like thing one, thing two, thing three, thing four from Cat in the Hat, where they they're will. all clones of they each other. They will not be. 
I hope. Mm. I really hope. I really hope. And I hope that they are very opinionated people, not just for entertainment value, although it can be entertaining. I don't, I don't want people who are just going to sit there and do one of two things, which seems to happen a lot. One is speak just so they are on the record and so that it sounds like they're doing something, repeating what everyone else says. I want people who throw different ideas right, out there. You're going to hear it here first. This council outgoing was our first um, black counselor yes. and our first openly gay counselor. Yes. And the next council is going to have our first black woman counselor and our first uh, gay lesbian counselor. Could be. I'm Could be. And I'm, and you know what? Fine. That's fine. Oh, that's not good. that I, no, no, I, I, but it's the natural progression of things. As long as they come in and are willing to engage in a way that is engaging as opposed to getting in, going with the flow, doing what people want to do. And I'm assuming that's how they're going to win in some of these races. I'm, I, you have to assume that it's not just, you don't have incumbents, so the name recognition is not as impactful. There may be somebody who, I mean, is there anybody in any of those four right now that really has extensive name recognition? I don't Evelyn Myrie in three. Okay. All right. All right. Um, Danko running in eight. I, see, did, I'm not sure that did I, so well last yeah, time. But there was so it was split so much, and there were so few votes overall. I mean, I, look, he may. I'm not sure that Evelyn Myrie. I would say yes. I think a lot of people know Evelyn. I'm not mm-hmm. sure how many people know Danko. Although I, I certainly know the name, and know of him. But there's nobody that is earth shatteringly famous. You still is, time for former counselors no, no, to jump in. Th- that's that's that is true. There, there still could be. There's another almost a week until this has to happen. But it, it's. It, I just. I, I fear. I fear that we're going to go to a more vanilla council because people will get in, and I don't know why I fear that. I just. I want people who have opinions and are willing to express them and willing to accept what comes with that. So the other. Um, rookie counselors would be um, Arlene Vanderbeek and Dundas and and Doug Connolly and Stony Creek, who are not boat rockers. Exactly, right. exactly. Good people, but they're. But I think if we had a whole council of them, I'm not sure how effective you need people like that to work quietly in the background and not all, not everybody be screaming and yelling. But you need also exceedingly strong personalities at times as well. You need the mix. And I, I, as I say, I'm hoping, I I don't know most of the candidates that are running. That's the thing. So I can't, and it's not because I'm not trying to learn about them. These are people that are largely unknown quantities until we start getting into candidates debates and stuff. And I really hope that there's a few that all of a sudden emerge and you go, that person has got to be a counselor. I really hope that's the case. I always contend that the incumbents win because they are the best choice. So when we have open seats. Sometimes. Sometimes. They are also I, the most famous choice sometimes. And if you watch those Cable 14 debates, well, we, we guess right more than we guess wrong. We got to go to the news. Uh, you, that, that you're probably true. On, you're probably right on that one as well. I mean, but you, if you have lots of practice around the council table, you should be a good speaker. Now we have an open, open war here, open I, forum. I didn't so say they were no. good speakers. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, you recently became a grandfather. Yes. Which is, you're way too young. Your wife is way too young. Sure. Greatest thing ever. He is a magical little boy. What's his name? Benjamin. Benjamin. Uh, he is now a couple months, a month? No, a couple weeks. A couple weeks? Wow. Really, yeah. really new. Not even a couple weeks, yeah. So this, this, this story that I've been wanting to get to this now for a number of weeks and we just haven't been able to. So I thought, you know, what better to, who better to talk about this than two guys on a Friday night? Uh, the Canadian or the, sorry, the Ontario College of, I think, obstetricians and gynecologists who for a long time have tried to encourage women to give birth naturally. C-sections were there for medical purposes. If yes. there was an emergency, we... We're certainly not going to, we're not going to deny you a C-section if the child needs to come out quickly or if for some reason you have a medical issue. But in recent weeks, they have come forward and now said, we believe that women should be able to opt for a C-section regardless, Hmm. regardless. If you want one, who are we to say no? 
And I'm wondering if this is really a good idea. And again, I know we're two guys sitting here, but you know, we've both been there for childbirth. We've both seen it. We both have a vested interest in it going well, along with every other guy who's ever had a kid with their wife or girlfriend or whomever, because you know, you, it's not like we have no interest in this thing. I just look at this and I think, I, I'm not sure that for the cost to the medical system, for the resources, for everything else, I'm not sure that we should be turning this into just an option, just a, a, for no good reason. So my son and his lovely wife live in eastern Ontario. The baby was born in a hospital in Winchester. I'm sure no one knows where that is, but let's just go with eastern Ontario. And I can tell you that it was exciting but enormously um difficult to every day create a new game plan for should she go in labor today it's a five-hour drive mm-hmm. um, a scheduled c-section has merit in terms of convenience that's probably where it ends that the c-section is an inevitability um, but i don't understand outside of convenience why any one would choose that. All the natural things that the body goes through, that one step triggers the next, that I... See, I'm not saying deny women the chance. If you want to have one, if you want to have one, but if it is a, if it is an elective surgery, then you are entitled, my view is you would be entitled to have it. If there's no reason for it and you just want to have a C-section, you're entitled to have it, but pay for it. Like a lot of elective surgeries. Oh, I don't know that it's any more expensive than a long, drawn-out um, natural labor. Right? I would. It's, oh, I would think because if you if you go into a long, drawn-out labor, you've got the nurse that is coming in or going out, or a nurse or two, and you've got a doctor. You have to have a team. It's a surgery. It's an it's an invasive, detailed surgery. Yeah, yeah, you're and right. And you've got the anesthetist, and you've got all these yeah. other things, and you've got recovery time. And well, OHIP is fully on board for paying for. Um, uh, midwives and birthing doulas and all that jazz. So, um, Scott, I, th- I think you said it at the top of this topic, but I don't think we get an opinion on this. Well, no, I disagree. We can't even discuss no, see, women's I dis- reproductive. I disagree. Well, we're, I disagree. First of all, all we can I disagree. do is violate them. I disagree. Uh, Especially on this one, because again, we do have a vested interest in of this. Of course. We do have a vested, and, and anyone who would, and I know you're being halfway facetious, mm-hmm. but anyone who would take the opinion that no man is allowed to speak of anything to do with childbirth. No, it's our babies too. Is, is yes. being way over the top, yes. way over the top. Um, there are issues that I understand, certainly you would want women to have a view on, not saying otherwise. But there are a lot of women who share this view as well, that I'm not sure that we want to be just turning this into an elective thing where everyone, for convenience or for uh, ease or for fear of going through the discomfort or whatever the reason is, and maybe those are all good reasons, uh, but I'm just not sure that this is honestly great to just say, go ahead, unless there's a reason for it. I know a ton of women who have had C-sections and all of them um, nobody chose, nobody, that wasn't, sorry, that was never anybody's first choice. But it sounds like the reason they're doing this now is because more and more people are saying, I would prefer this option. It's bizarre. And I, and that's why we, you know, I'd love to hear from at some point, some woman who has chosen why that she wanted to do this just because, or for, for some reason other than medical urgency or medical reasons of her or the child. Uh, why that would be. And, and I mean, I don't know. It, it just, it seems to me that they have spent decades arguing that this should be a, I don't know if the word is last resort, a, a secondary at best resort. Sure. You sure. should have a natural childbirth if at all possible. That has been their position forever. And I'm not exactly sure what changed it and why suddenly, if that's been our position that is good for you, it is good for the baby, as you say, it triggers a number of things that, that follow along. Mm -hmm. Why we then want to say suddenly, ah, whatever. Scott, I got to tell you, uh, in the similar vein here, um, while spending 26 hours, uh, in Winchester Memorial Hospital, um, it would have been faster. (laughs) Yeah. Um, very different medical system. Um, a full service hospital with none of the issues that we have in our Hamilton Such hospitals. as? 
So an emergency room that's open all night that had two ambulances, a maternity ward that had eight rooms that had one customer. Um, the hospital was spotless and civilized and not chaotic and waiting rooms and, and all the issues that you would see in any emergency room or throughout the halls of our hospitals uh, here in Hamilton. And how big an area was Winchester Memorial drawing from? Um, from the dairy farmers in a two-hour radius north of Kingston, uh, Cornwall to Ottawa. Like, and so was it, a big, was it a big group then? It sounds like it's a large... It's a large catchment. Um, but not a lot of people using it. Right. It's in a town of 1,500. But um, all the services, not the, the healthcare, OHIP, medical uh, emergency room crisis that we know in cities is not uh, province-wide by any means. That I can tell you. Go I to am, Winchester, people. Yeah, go, <laughs> go to Winchester, yeah, for sure. No, I, you know what? I, I, I just, the explanation that I, as I was reading it, just didn't seem to me to be compelling. That simply that because we want something to be now covered or be allowed to me is not always the I don't best understand reason. why a woman would choose it though. Well, see, but that's irrelevant, I suppose, to us. And that part that, see, this to me is the part where we say, okay, that part will stay out. Why a woman would choose to have a C-section if it was voluntary, I don't know that either. That part I'll stay out of because I think that's that's her okay. thing. But if you choose to do it and there's no compelling reason and it's going to cost the system through resources and time and money a lot more, fine, but, no. but you should be paying for that. No, we don't take funding away from women's health issues. But it's not a woman's health issue. That's what I'm saying. If there's no health reason, if there's... Lauren, if there is a reason for the baby or for the mother, even then, in then 1%, then it's then, 1%. Yes. I, n- in no way would I possibly ever say, oh, well, you know, we're going to charge you for that one. So decide if you want to save your baby. That's not, a, that's not at all what I'm talking about. Not even remotely what I'm talking about. This is entirely for, for preference, per, pardon me, preferential preference issues that you just decide for whatever reason. I think I'd prefer not to go through it. I don't, I don't understand it. And I, I, but I'm, and again, women out there, I would love to hear from you if you think that, that this is totally offline or if you agree with me, but I just, if it's a, with all kinds of other surgeries that we do, if it's an elective surgery, it is generally, generally something that the person has to somehow cover right, the cost but I, of. I raise the point of midwifery and doulas being covered by OHIP that we are moving towards giving women, pregnant women, birthing women more choice. And that choosing to have uh, a C-section from the get-go is is part of that trend. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, we've had Dan McTeague on this show a number of times. People remember him. He was an MPP or MP? MP. MP. A liberal MP. He is now uh, involved with Gas Buddy, which is an online mm-hmm. site that tells you gas prices, but he's also an expert now. He monitors the gas industry, gas prices, things like that. <coughs> Excuse me. And he's talking about the fight over the carbon tax that the provinces are now having with Prime Minister Trudeau. He, Trudeau wants to impose it. The provinces, Doug Ford and Saskatchewan and others are saying, ah, no, thank you. And Dan McTeague has broken down. Now this is his numbers. So I have no way to double check these. I'm trusting him though, as a guy who's an expert in this field, Mm -hmm. he has broken this down. He says, let's and this is off Twitter. He wrote this today. Let's make this easier. By January 1st, 2022, Ottawa will raise gas prices 12.2 cents a liter and diesel furnace oil by 15.5 cents per liter with 13% HST. Natural gas will be an extra $275 per year for the average household. Direct costs are an additional $600 per family is what he's saying. That in 2022, so four years from yeah. now, every family in this country on average will be paying with this carbon tax an extra $600 just in taxes, just towards this particular tax. There are a lot of people who believe in climate change, who believe in saving the economy, who believe in keeping the earth clean, who believe in a lot of things. Does $600 a year extra in taxes change any of their minds and make them say, yeah, you know, I'm, 
I really want to not buy plastic straws and uh, recycle properly, but I don't know that I want to pay 600 bucks to a tax. Nobody wants to pay $600 to a tax, but if you're a good person, you don't drive. Um, you put on an extra sweater or blanket um, as opposed to heating your house at a normal level. Um, these are these are the choices that you can make, and if you elect um, a government that is aligned with that kind of agenda, then you're going to get that kind of uh, want for taxation. But do you think these kind of numbers? And it's, again, I'm I'm accepting for the sake of argument right now that these numbers are accurate. I trust. I mean, sure. Dan is a smart guy and he knows his stuff, so I'm going with these numbers right now. Someone may take issue with them, but I'm going with these. Will these kind of numbers change anyone's mind, do you think, who otherwise might say, yeah, I'm generally in favor of a carbon tax? What does gas have to cost before you walk to work? It's a, you know, we live in a, in in a city, it's an interesting city. We don't live in downtown Toronto here. Uh, There are people in Hamilton that can't necessarily take public transit. We have to drive some people. So when you, what the, that's my long way of saying, when you say, what would it cost for me not to drive to work? You would drive to work? I'll drive to work. 250 a liter. Uh, unhappily, but yes, probably I would. Right. So that's why the price of gas is, as we pay it now, that's why it just keeps going up. You don't have any choice. Do you think secretly, because he would never admit this in a million years, do you think secretly that Justin Trudeau is glad some of the provinces are fighting this? Here's what I mean by that. We have an election coming up in a, a roughly a year from now. If $600, now this is going to be 2022, but we're going to start seeing the early signs of this. If people start paying extra tax before the next election, because don't forget, province, uh, governments like to do good news things, give you stuff, not take stuff yes. from you in the lead up to elections. Of course. If this is starting to be felt just before the election, this may sting the liberals a little. If they can have this fight go on until after the following election, now we can start to bring it in and, you know, then by the next time, maybe people have forgotten a little bit. Sure, except we're getting uh, very confused on our prime minister's uh, environmental identity. So we don't know where he stands um, on that file top to bottom now from the purchase of the pipeline to the handling of of th- whether this is good for the environment or just a tax grab, but we can properly have that debate. Um, I don't think it's good for the Trudeau brand to be wishy-washy where he was nice and strong, where he got first elected as being the most environmentally friendly uh, prime minister we would have. He's proven not to be, but that's what he wanted us to believe he was. I I simply believe, maybe naively, maybe cynically, that there are probably a lot of people who believe in the environmental movement until it costs me money to make that happen. And I think a $600 a year household, not cost, an extra cost is going to be something that a lot of people are going to say, and sorry, and how is this helping the environment? I'll even maybe do this and maybe go along happily with this, if you can establish for me that a distinct change is being made that is improving the environment, the cleanliness of air, the lack of pollution, all these things, explain to me again exactly how this is making things better for us. And that argument, I don't think, it's been very wishy-washy. It's not been made entirely clear how this carbon tax is going to clean the environment. It may make some people do a little bit less or use a little less energy, but I'm thinking when it starts to add up to $600, people are saying, I expect real results that I can see, that I can feel, that I can experience, that I can tangibly know. But environmental science doesn't work that way. Canada can do whatever it wants to improve the environment, and it won't add up to a 1% change in the when, world when the rest of the world continues their behaviors. So will this start to have a deleterious effect on people's support, do you think? That's a $12 word when I could use a bad effect. No, deleterious <laughs> is, is an excellent word. Um, it depends how... Well, people balk at this. Well, sure, if there's a, a good education as to what it will actually uh, come out and cost us. Nobody wants to pay more tax. And of course... Anything. And of course, this is only... 
Twitter only allows you so many letters. So he couldn't also point out that businesses are also going to be affected by this. Transport trucks, driving food around, yeah, warm. Of course, everything will be And that expensive. is going to be passed down yes. to people. So $600 is it's just, just your, your direct, direct not, amount. Yes. It could be three, four, five times that in your family just as an additional tax as you go through the year buying your bananas or buying your whatever else that have to be transported Buy in. Buy local, or, Scott. And there's Grow not too many bananas food. that are being grown in Ontario, I don't think. Greenhouse. Um, I'm, I'm looking at these numbers. And again, I, like I, I want to be good to the environment and all that kind of stuff. I, I'm, I haven't, my, my wife and daughter have reached the point where they're doing the, I will not take a straw when I go to Tim Hortons because I have a metal straw that I carry around. I'm not there yet. I'm not there. I, I applaud them for doing it. I'm not there yet. I want to be good to the environment, okay. but I am not going to be happy when this kind of amount of money suddenly is strapped on and I don't see the impact that it's having. I mean, consider any other thing. If you had a road tax, and we do probably have, we have, well, gas tax is supposed to go to yes. roads often, although it's not, it's not as direct. We don't say this is a road tax. It's a surcharge on our gas, whatever else. But if there was, if they were to say, for example, let's, let's use a different one. Let's say that they were going to decide that every speeding ticket was going to go towards road repairs. I would expect then, if you're going to set up speed traps all over the city, I would expect that I'm going to be seeing impact from all these speeding tickets in time that my roads are going to be better. And you're going to be seeing no benefit to your additional $600. I don't think you will. I don't think you will. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing it, but I, maybe there'll be a, a, a little less in the smog days. I don't know, but I'm not even sure about that. We have less smog days already. I, it's a tax grab. Well, of course it is. It's, and I, I truly believe, and, and again, uh, this may be a conspiracy theory in my own mind, but I, I really believe that this was not a plan. This was not designed this way, but Justin Trudeau, I really believe, is not all that unhappy that this fight has been taken up by the mm-hmm. provinces. I get Because your point. Yeah. we can drag this past the election when no one's going to feel this yet. Saskatchewan's brought it to the Supreme Court? I don't know if they- On they've, its way? Yeah, I think it's on its way. I don't know if it's got there yet, but they're not alone. Ontario's joining them, and I think there's there are uh, several other provinces that are jumping in as well. a uh, couple in the Maritimes have hopped on. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't think he's going to mind at all if this thing drags out mm. for a bit. And, and here's the other part. Justin Trudeau right now for, I mean, he has, there's a lot of promises he hasn't kept. Uh, election- first past the post election and thing. I mean, what's when he goes to the ballot box next election, he can go with the legalized marijuana. Uh, he can go with a few other things that he has done, but he's still going to need something that he's going to be keeping his constituency, his base fired up about. And arguing for the environment may be one of those ones that you can say, you know what, if we keep this thing, this is, this is now riding on this election. We have to keep the environment clean. It's not gone through. This may be one of those things that he's not going to be all that upset that this thing is still out there, still being fought when the election rolls around. Because some of the other things, um, I mean, what are, what are the, what are the other ones that are still lingering out there that he is going to be able to fire up his base with coming up to an election? Legalized pot's the only one that matters. But once it passes, so what do you, what are you taking to your base for the next election to say, you got to vote for me because we got to do this. What's that? Pot is now through. The environment may be the one that you have to. Maybe. You have to keep this thing going until after the election. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Lauren Lieberman in studio with me. Uh, Lauren, this story today, I read this today. I had to read this a couple times because this one made me smile, not because it was a happy story, just because I thought this is either the greatest defense or something really, really interesting. Anyway, let me just get to it. Roseanne Barr. We all know what happened with Roseanne Barr recently. Her show came back. It was doing pretty well. She sends out a tweet about Valerie Jarrett, who had been a Democratic worker, I believe, with Obama. And it was 
a it had racist overtones, mm-hmm. shall we say, at best. It had something to do with she was um, I can't remember, but it it it, it loosely suggested that Valerie Jarrett was from the Planet of the Apes. Yes. Now, the the problem with this is that Valerie Jarrett is an African-American woman, and so everyone then, I think, re- reasonably said to Roseanne Barr, what? Come on. You can't be... It's, it's wrong in every way. You sure. can't make that. And so Roseanne Barr, they canceled her show and she had a tearful interview with someone where she was apologizing. Anyway, she's out now saying this. Um, I didn't, well, I didn't know Valerie Jarrett was African American. And I went today and I thought that may be the craziest excuse ever given for someone doing something racist. And I went and looked and Valerie Jarrett Depending on what picture you look at, if you just were to do a quick click glance. Do it right now. Um, can that be an excuse? If you don't, <laughs> I, I'm looking at this going, if you don't know what race a person is, does it get you off the hook for racism? It, it, it just seemed like it was the most interesting, creative. Oh, wow. She is not. If you, depending on the flash of the yeah. light or whatever else, she is not a dark skinned that... African American woman. She is a l- very light skinned African American woman. And Roseanne Barr says, I had no idea she was black. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, or she's just come up with a great excuse. No, no, no. That sounds, wait a second. I thought that was ridiculous when I heard it. So I have Google image this woman. I, that's entirely valid. So is it an excuse? Is it a reasonable explanation? Well, wait a second. Can Roseanne Barr call a white woman a monkey? Uh, I guess the answer is yes. It would be rude, for sure. It would be rude, but I don't know that... Well, it wouldn't be racist. It wouldn't fall into the same category. It It probably would not have got her fired from her show if you had called a white woman that. I, I don't understand how Valerie Jarrett's a black woman. I'm not even talking just skin tone. She, it's a, amazing. It's a, it is. So again, it goes to my point. So whether it's, well, can you, can you, is it racist if you don't know the person is, see, ultimately at the bottom, it's underlying this whole thing. Our society is really, really bad at manners. We are rude on the drop of a hat. Social media and Twitter and everything else has turned us into a bunch of sure. pigs. Right. A bunch We're of allowed me- to be rude. You a bunch of mean-spirited, cutting, insulting pigs. We do this all the time. We, if it's an anonymous mm-hmm. social media, gives us anonymity to say stuff that we would never have said to people before. You would never have walked up to someone and gone, you know what? Blah, 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 and said whatever you're going to say. We, but on social media with Twitter, we say that because we're hiding behind our whatever else. Rudeness is a problem that, you know. Roseanne Barr, there's no defense. Roseanne Barr was at the very least entirely rude and entirely discourteous to this person. Sure. Does it get her off the hook though? If, if, if you can, can you make the case that you didn't know? I don't know the answer to that. With I don't the photographic think so. evidence. It goes a long way. If you're Roseanne, Bar- and, and with the photographic evidence, yes, but if you're Roseanne and you're sending out a tweet about someone who is in a public position, maybe this is part of the other problem. Is it not incumbent on her to do a little bit of research to see about this person? I don't know. Or is that just, if are we I'm, just so hair trigger with I'm our- If I'm attacking somebody's politics, I need to uh, understand their uh, genealogy N- No, but before I, would- I can attack them properly? No, but I would. Or I can only be rude to white people as a white guy. I can't be rude to black people. No, see, no, if you're going to, I suppose if you're going to be rude, you can run the table. You just can't use racist terminology if it was a person of a different. But you just clarified that it's not racist if she's not black. It was just rude. That's right. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm confusing myself at this point. Sure. The, the answer, the answer to this, I suppose, would be if we were all a little less hair trigger, inflammatory speaking, uh, social media firing, insult generating 
across the board, probably Roseanne still has a TV show, regardless of how African-American or not Valerie Jarrett looks. But when you fire stuff off and you, and, and you use terminology that is loaded if the person is of a certain background, but like, I, I just don't even know why you use that term. Anybody anyway. listening needs to Google image Valerie Jarrett. It's, it's quite confusing as to how she could be a black woman. Yeah, great. And I get it. Um, people of color come in different shades, but it's, it's more than just skin tone. Um, based on the pictures I saw, it would make more sense if you told me she was an Asian woman. It, it, this one, I say this wow. one, when I read this story today, and I'm just calling up another, this, when I called up this story today, I, I did the same thing because I had to pull it up and say, um, it's Scott, I'm really resentful that I'm kind of siding with Roseanne Brown. Like, <laughs> come on, that's, Roseanne Byer's not really, uh, my cup of tea, but I, there's a point to be made here. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 wow. an interesting one, and I would have never. I I thought when I first heard this, I said that is the craziest excuse anyone has ever come no, up with. No, but right, and in ninety nine point nine 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 percent of cases, yes, it would be yes. I and and probably in this case too, because again, you have to choose. Even even if. Even if you're not sure, even if you have no reason, you got to choose your words. And and I, again, I go back to the point: what she said in that tweet was a personal affront, was a personal insult, which I don't think we need to even have generally in the discourse. You can disagree with someone's politics without making it a personal attack on someone. Always, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, you don't need to drag right, it to the but personal. Nobody criticized Roseanne for being rude. Only for being a racist. It's true enough. It's an interesting one. Um, it's, it's worth taking a look just to, um, you can make up your own mind whether mm. you think that this gets, whether this excuses Roseanne in some way in your mind that is there a chance that she's telling the truth that really she did not know. Go take a look. As a Valerie yeah. Jarrett, J-A-R-R-E-T-T. Huh. Who knew? The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.